What worked for you on Tuesday will work on Thursday. A claim that cannot always be made when what you hold in your hand is a paintbrush or a camera or a pen. What was exactly right for your last painting will be completely wrong for this one. Creative people love to claim they know what works. But in reality, all they know is what worked. Fortunes are lost and hearts broken in that shift of tense. So uh, that's a quote from the essay Getting Good by the American novelist Richard Russo in his book The Destiny Thief. And I'm John Fanning and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. Welcome and uh, hope you're all doing well out there. How's it going? Um, now that we have this, uh, seemingly we have vaccines on the way, we might be able to start extricating ourselves from houses in various pla- parts of this planet um, where we're under lockdown, especially in places like Ireland. Uh, not much the ca- so the case here in uh, America, though. Um, anyway, um, this is episode 26 of my series of episodes on the imagination based around my book, Create. And last time I spoke about awareness sacredness and distractions but today i want to talk about acceptance and change and this episode will not be as long as some of the recent ones either because there's a a simplicity and a humility uh, that i want to get at today because i'm not sure these two things of acceptance and change are addressed very often in reference to the imagination or this this realm of creativity not because so much they're uh, ineffable as, say, what I talked about in the last episode, uh, awareness, but because they're so blatant, so in front of us all the time, every day, that often it's it's hard to see what's right in front of us. Much like the the elephant in the room where we can see parts of changes in our lives the trunk one time, the legs another, the the tail another time, but never enough. Um, never we we never have enough humility to understand to 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 see the whole animal as such, and the animal as a whole to see change as a whole and the necessary presence or need of the presence of acceptance in our lives to deal with change and to transition from change into acceptance and from there transition into creativity and the realm of the imagination. So probably a good place to start would be a little anecdote um, from my years ago when uh, at Lemuse. And uh, it's a story about this this kind of uh, established poet, Irish poet. But, um, oh yeah, for any of you who are coming to this podcast for the first time, Lamuse is a writers and artists retreat down the south of France 
uh, which I co-founded with my wife about 20 years ago now. Anyway, I was talking to this established poet and another writer about setting up a creative writing program in Ireland because at the time there were none. And I thought that uh, we should be trying to encourage that kind of change in Ireland to help support young writers and uh, show them that it's not just some kind of um, ethereal thing that comes out, out, of the, out of the vapors, you know, that they could actually have some practical help uh, crafting uh, the the art form or the um, just practical some practical advice about writing as such. So I suggested approaching universities or colleges not associated historically with the arts, as they they'd probably be more receptive to doing something new. These the um, universities that aren't associated with those kind of uh, the arts as such. So. The writer I was talking to, he became excited about the idea. And seeing his excitement, I said I would be happy to help, um, uh, such as giving a lecture on retreats or introducing the people I've met, you know, some of them from uh, some of the largest writing programs over in the States, uh, heads of department and such like that. And maybe something about how to create it uh, based on my experience of, you know, um, being introduced and talking to so many different creatives from all around the world and or creators and so he, he got very enthusiastic and was about to say something um when the established poet said uh something like uh, and uh, what would you talk about john you know cleaning toilets and making beds and then he had an old cackle uh he laughed out loud you know and you know, this is the kind of humour that made Joyce call Ireland a, a sow that eats its own farrow. In that uh, the harsh cliché, uh, this that kind of harsh cliché is the one that's always, it's always be bringing some, it's this idea of bringing someone else down to size. They call it uh, slagging in Ireland. Uh, I, la- I later learnt uh, in different places, obviously they have different, appellations for it but in Australia they call it the tall poppy syndrome where you know they chop the heads off the the poppy that's too tall um you know you don't want to be getting above your station so basically it's a really demeaning it's a way of demeaning someone a lot of the time because of uh, presumably the person saying their own insecurities or incapability of of being sincere about certain topics or subjects as such Anyway, the other writer, um, an American, lovely man, uh, he went red and after a, a, an a uncomfortable silence, he asked me to help him move the desk in his room. And it was about five minutes later, we were in his room and I went to lift his desk and he stopped me and he said, uh, no, 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 I don't need any help with the desk, John. And, you know, he said he'd only asked me in to help because he wanted to apologise for the rudeness of that Irish poet. And I told him, you know, oh, it's okay, you know, that it, it wasn't the first time someone established, you know, had treated me like a receptionist or a cleaner or a chauffeur, whatever it is, you know, uh, that they seem to uh, consider my role was as a founder of a retreat. But, um, and, uh, you know, he was quite perturbed by this. He says... Uh, how do you put up with that kind of treatment, you know? And I just told him I don't. 
I just accept them the way they are. Because like years ago, it used to make me very angry. And, you know, it's just a huge loss of energy. Uh, but now, uh, what are you going to do? You know, they have their set idea of who I am, uh, who somebody is, and who they are themselves and, and their worldview. And I can't change that. So people might define me or you as one thing, but I think that's ridiculous. People are, are vast. They have many different parts. And yes, uh, I can do a little bit of electricity now. I can repair old windows or put tiles on roofs or even cut down trees for wood or build old stone walls or I have to optimize websites, whatever the hell it is. Uh, but if you told me, you know, uh, 20 years ago in New York, when I was living in the East Village, uh, that I'd be doing stuff like that, I would have laughed at you. And why was that? Uh, well, it was because I used to think the same way as that established poet. Uh, I used to think that a person is one-dimensional. You know, I thought, oh, I'm a writer. And then everything else is secondary to that. And... Obviously, most people understand that it's not. And being a husband is not secondary. Uh, being a father is not secondary. And because we're many different things, uh, we play many different roles and we have many different aspects to each of us as individuals because we're vast. And when we accept that, I feel we create a life. Uh, we, we don't play a role. We, we, we create ourselves. True that acceptance. Um, and I suppose a, an even better personal example would be um, uh, the idea of the retreat that we created. We couldn't find a place to go to create, to meet other writers and artists. You know, the majority of, I think I've mentioned this before in different episodes, um, there weren't any place that we could go as writers starting off or creators starting off in a career um, because you had to be established before you could be accepted to the established places where you could go to create. So it's like a catch-22. So we pres tr like transformed the drudge of working the nine to five at that time and having no time to create into something. And it took a while, it actually took a long while, but La Muse was created nearly 20 years ago. And Yes, it wasn't easy, but it was created. And in the beginning, it was created out of anger, like um, what I was saying just before, how you get angry when somebody's insulting. Um, it was out of anger that there wasn't a space for available to us and creators like us that we created that space and made it av available. Uh, but then uh, as time passed... And we changed it became, because we, it became something that we created out of acceptance of that reality as opposed to being angry about it. So we, we accepted the reality and then went out to change it. And, you know, it's like, that, like the oft-quoted phrase of Gandhi, uh, be the change you want to see in the world, you know. And, you know, personally, I'll, I'll never be a Mozart or a Shakespeare. And frankly, I don't care. You know why? Um, well, I'm, I'm a happy being me. Uh, I can only, because I can only be me. I can't be Shakespeare and I can't be Mozart. You know, I wasn't born in England. I wasn't born in Germany. Wherever the hell it was, Mozart was born again. I can't recall. But anyway, life, 
you know, life gets easier with acceptance. If you ask yourself a question or, if you, you know, just ask yourself uh, the next time you're worrying about all those creators like uh, Mozart and Shakespeare and whether they're better than you, uh, just like, do you really want to be better than them? Uh, they're equal even, you know? It's like, do we have to compare ourselves to these other people to, to actually just do our own thing and be who we are? So isn't it enough, you know, just to be you? Uh, isn't it enough to create what you love? Uh, because if you deny what you love, you're are you not just simply denying your own life? And, yeah, this kind of ties in with it. There's a phrase that Mar Marcus Aurelius uses a lot, uh, Amor Fati, uh, which basically means um, acceptance or uh, love of your fate, which which is the kind of literal translation of it, in love with your fate, uh, which is, you know, supreme or... Um, uh, really positive acceptance uh, living in that vibration of acceptance so if you accept your fate what life's given you uh, then you can create something from it because now you're looking at it as opposed to reacting or resisting it you can use your own discontentment and, and loss as a positive to to create so you can transform it uh, move it into form you know then you can transform pain into something profound and a creation so basically you know the facts of your life can also uh, give they just give you the very reason for your life so the events and the situations you found yourself in happened irrespective of your choices most of the time so you know if that's the way it is then why not just accept them so so you can use them and Yes, you can change what happened, but you can you can accept change. And if you accept it, you can simply use what has happened to you to transform it into something beautiful, to create from that place, which will make you joyful at the same time. So I suppose what I'm trying to get at is that acceptance is easier when you can accept change. And when you create, you change, as does the creation. And that's simply the process. So, yes, right, we have no time. You know, one of these distractions or walls I've talked about before. Or so we're consistently told uh, we have no time. But why not accept that idea instead of resisting and getting angry about it? And, you know, what, what then... Do we have time? Do you, you know, do you ask yourself the question, do you then have time? Because if you can just accept the idea that you don't have it, well, then you can start working on, oh, well, what will I do with the time that I have? Even if we're being made to work more and more from whatever job it is that we're working at for somebody else to, you know, earn a crust or, uh, you know, pay the bills. So we can change our lives for the better even though change is stressful and it can add to already quite busy days, you know. Um, back in the year, year after I was born, it's like in 74, William Bridges, an American literature lecturer, he did just that. He, he left his job. You know, he had a tenure job and all that. And he came home to his wife and he told her, you know, I'm jacking this in. And he... <laughs> 
set up a group of workshops about change or more specifically what he calls transitions in our society. And that's basically why I was being specific about transitions there earlier when I was talking, because there is a, uh, and that's coming from something I learned from uh, reading this book. I love this this differentiation between the two words. Um, he calls them transitions, not change in our society. So out of these workshops uh, grew his book, Transitions. And, you know, that's went on now to sell, sell I think it's over half a million copies now. Uh, so Bridges writes how dealing with transitions in life, you know, anything from marriage or divorce or birth or, you know, moving and debt or career changes or even just retirement. Uh, these are very difficult, but that it can be made easier if we stop and see where and how we're processing the change in our life. So he saw each individual experiencing change in three stages. Like first as uh, an ending, uh, then a stage of confusion and suffering as such, and followed by a new beginning. And because Western culture gives us hardly any rituals to represent these stages, people just kind of try and skip them. They kind of skip, skip from an ending to a new beginning without, you know, accepting the, 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 the stage between. You know, and, you know, the advent of all these drugs that were prescribed now, you know, is probably a function of this. I'm sure there's many papers being written about this, you know, how we we don't transition. Uh, we just want immediate change and think that there's going to be no emotional register for that. So that's another point, another uh, important point Bridge makes is is the distinction between change and transition. Transition. And transi transition being the personal side of change, what he calls it. And he says society often confuses them, making us think that transition is just another word for change, when actually a change is what he calls situational. And a transition is psychological. So examples of a change are, you know, moving to a different city or getting a new boss or your mother dying or your son being born. So they are external changes in your life. But the transitions are how you deal with those changes inside you, emotionally, so, uh, psychologically. So the creative process can help facilitate those transitions. It can help keep the energy moving in body or in your mind and spirit. By creating, we can give both you know, expression and reflection to what we are experiencing, whatever the transi transitions are to you. So, you know, creation will not come immediately. It takes time because so, you have to transition into it, not change everything immediately. You know, go on, jack in your job and then just uh, go into your garden and start writing books and leave your family behind. You know, it's 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 not as uh, cut and dry as that. It's not like a light switch switching it on and off. So to so to become a creator, you start by accepting that change is difficult, and that there are stages, and that it is situational and psychological. And with with awareness and acceptance, you you'll create what you need to create with 
patience and time. And, you know, that's very, as I said at the very outset, it's a very humbling and very, uh, it's a very subtle, they're very subtle things, acceptance and change, because they are so huge in our life that it's not so much something that we, we talk about a lot. Um, and I think it's very important to understand the difference between the situational and the psychological uh, in regards to these to change or transitions in our lives and then in the creative process itself. And so, so that's basically what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I think it's just important to, to sit and be aware of those two very important things as far as creativity is concerned and the imagination. And I don't think it's something that's talked about enough. And I'm not going into it. I've just given two simple examples. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics of, you know, specific creators and and um, uh, and their processes on change and talking about uh, acceptance and change. But just to, to try and look at the elephant uh, that's in front of us as opposed to looking at the parts of it. And um, just to be aware uh, that nothing is immediate and the change is always there. And probably one of the easiest ways to deal with it is to just accept it. And then we can move forward and move forward into a space of creation. So thanks for listening. Um, I started with a quote from an American writer. But as always, I'm going to end this episode with an Irish proverb. Um, and I'm giving you this one because I think it's a great one to remind us to be humble, um, to have humility in the face of the difficulties of what we're so, so often presented with. And that to accept, to really accept change, we often need to bow our head in humility to it in order to not resist life suffering. And so literally, um, this one's quite profound in a sense that it could, it could be taken both way, two, two different ways. As all proverbs can be taken in many different ways, but this one kind of bends both ways, pardon the pun on the verb. But anyway, uh, literally this one means the heaviest ear of grain bends its head the lowest. Uh, so the heaviest ear of grain bends its head the lowest. Ishi on dias is trum ishila achromas achyan. Ishi on dias is trum ishila achromas achyan. So this podcast is supported by you, the listener, via my Patreon page. And again, if you want to support the podcast, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash John Fanning uh, where you can get you can get all these episodes and later on I'm going to start putting up uh, other ones uh, that won't go public um, uh, so if you can afford it uh, the, the classic cliche of you know the price of a cup of tea or um, you know a chamomile tea or a, a pint of Guinness you know uh, if you'd like uh, 
if you thought that you would be able to sit and listen through what I just um, talked about um, and you want this to continue. So also on iTunes, if you can subscribe or just write a review, you know, it only takes you a second. Uh, just put a few words and, you know, click the out five stars as usual, you know. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. And if you need anything, uh, any more, uh, if you want to look at the uh, transcripts of this, over an overview of this, you go to johnfanning.me. Uh, on our podcast and then there's all that social stuff there as well you know where you can engage with me and so as usual been great sharing and getting this out there uh, today and until the next time take care of yourself out there and try to be as benevolent as you can and as accepting of change as much as you can Schlanliv, August Gunnarion Borliv.